And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hey everybody, happy Monday. It is uh, November 5th. Um, it is the day before election day here in the States. So, hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. I was off last Friday, not technically off, but I did um, elect not to record a podcast um, on Friday of last week. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. We're going to dig into that here. So what is coming up uh, in this episode? We have a fairly beefy Q&A segment, and then um, we're going to roll straight into a discussion about excuses um, and how they apply to your prep. And boy, I've got a lot of firsthand experience to talk about on that, on that subject from the last week. So we will dive into that very, very shortly here. Um, and I'm going to to keep everything else fairly brief and we're just going to be to the point this week. Um, so uh, oftentimes it is around this time that I'll give you the recap of my week. Well, that's going to happen in the excuses talk. So we're going to save that until then. Um, I will just tell you right now, uh, I am 10 days out um, from my photo shoot currently. So it's the home stretch um, feeling okay right now. Not fantastic, not great, but okay. So um, let's see. Um, before we get to the Q&A segment, remember that this uh, show, this podcast relies on your input and your feedback. So I would love to have you call in. The number is 865-518-2974. Leave a message. You can also contact me uh, on Instagram at Darren underscore star. You can uh, tweet me directly at Darren Starr on Twitter. Send me a message through my Facebook page, facebook.com slash physique, or you can go straight to fivestarphysique.com or thedropset.com. Click on the contact option from the menu, fill out the form, and send it to me directly from there. That goes to my email address, which is Darren at fivestarfitness.com. Com. So lots of ways to get in touch with me. I would love to hear uh, some recorded questions, though. So, And I have one this week, um, so I will turn it over to my honorary co-host and let him take over for a minute. Uh, hey, Darren. It's uh, Josh from Virginia. So I actually don't have a question, um, so to speak, but I was actually going through listening to some of the older episodes, and I, was, I think it was number 45 where you were talking about um, your gym pet peeve of the week and lousy spotters. And just listening to you describe how much you did not want to squat or, or uh, spot someone on a squat um, made me almost crash my car because I was laughing so hard. But mainly because I feel the exact same. Like, I do not want to be that close to someone, especially another dude's ass, um, with my front bits um, while he's trying to lift a bunch of weight. <laughs> and, and on that note, so I thought it might be fun to give kind of one of my gym pet peeves and I think you actually might have covered this before, um, but dudes working out in the gym in jeans. Well, I don't know why it's a thing, and while it doesn't personally uh, affect me in any way, it just kind of makes me go, what in the hell were you thinking? There's a guy that works out consistently in my gym in blue jeans, and it can't be comfortable, and it's just like, what the hell? So anyway, thought that might be kind of fun. Have a good week. Bye. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Josh. Uh, yeah. So, uh, lousy spotters. I saw something happening today. There was a trio of guys and I mean, to their credit, they were benching on a Monday, but they were doing decline at least. So they were trying to mix it up a little bit. Um, there were three of them in there and one of the dudes had uh, 135 on the bar and I swear he wasn't benching it so much as his spotter was doing an upright row with it. It's like his hands never came off the bar. Like, dude, you are not spotting. You are lifting it for him. If you can't move the weight, and then they went up and wait the next set. I'm like, 
And I'm just sitting there, I'm staring at it because I'm just grinding away at my cardio. I had 40 minutes fasted this morning. I had 40 minutes post-workout. I got nothing to do but people watch when I'm in there. And they're right in front of me also. I mean, they're like 10 feet. I'm staring directly at them. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, so, I mean, bad spotting. And yeah, squatting dudes. Here's the thing. What I always tell people, especially if they want to go for a big number, um, I always tell them um, I won't squat from behind because that's not the correct way, or I won't spot them from behind because it's not the correct way to spot somebody when they're squatting. Ever look at a powerlifting competition? They've got two guys, one on each side of the bar, nobody behind the lifter. Um, and so if somebody's trying to put up some big weight, then you know what? That's <laughs> that's what they need. Um, and so I kind of get out of it with a technicality. I say, you know what? It's just not correct. If you know, here's the thing: if you need me back there, uh, you're you're fucked, and I'm not going to be able to help you. <laughs> So, because uh, you're squatting more than I am. And if it's somebody and they're, they're not moving much weight, I'm just going to help them get the rack set up so that the rack can spot them. I'm like, you know what? You probably get a lot more from failing that rep, trying really hard and failing, than from me helping you back up. So, which I don't necessarily think is true, but it's a lie that I will propagate in order to get out of doing it. Um, so, working out in jeans, I have talked about that before, and that is a phenomenon that I have never seen until I moved out to the east. Um, I'm from Oregon. When I, uh, all my time in gyms in Oregon, it was never something that I saw, never something that I thought was a thing. And then I moved um, from there to Asheville, North Carolina, and suddenly there's somebody, a different guy, in the gym working out in blue jeans every day. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And you said, Josh, it doesn't personally affect you. Oh, it personally affects me because I just get this rage that wells up inside of me. It's just, I, it's totally irrational, um, but I, I can't tolerate it. I cannot tolerate it. And, you know, I, I really keep to myself in the gym, so it's not like I'm going to go and confront somebody and say, hey, you know what? That's not really the best attire. Kind of like the dudes that work out in flip-flops. I'm like, you know what? Break your damn toe. I don't give a shit. <laughs> You're the idiot. So, you know what? To each their own. You do your thing. But the jeans, ugh, I, I cannot abide. I cannot abide. It drives me absolutely insane. So I feel you on that. Um, I had a couple of good questions. So um, a client of mine, Melissa, um, she presented a question here for Q&A. Um, so she is in peak week currently. She will be competing this Saturday in Colorado in bikini. Um, she said, what's a good post-show rebound? So she's kind of thinking ahead here a little bit, uh, meaning how much cheat food is too much the night of and the day after? Can you do too much damage if you treat yourself at the night, uh, treat yourself the night and day after your show? Great question. Great question. So, um, and we, we talked about this briefly, and this was something that came up in our, uh, in the interview that I had with Kim Helm also. So we talked a little bit about that very briefly. Um, a lot of it comes down to the the bigger the bigger picture. Like, what has your prep looked like? How restrictive have you been? How dialed back have you been? How on it have you been? Like, if you've been amazingly restricted, super low caloric deficit, um, or I'm sorry, super aggressive caloric deficit, a lot of cardio, um, you're going to be a little bit more sensitive to a big ass rebound if you pig out extensively um, versus, and also if you're like on it completely, if you're not cheating, not getting away with not, you know, not deviating off plan or anything like that. If, if you've got a, a prep that is not quite so aggressive, um, you're a little bit more relaxed in how you adhere to it. Like you know, you're good, you're good, but you're like, oh, you know, extra hundred calories here and there won't kill me. Um, you're right. It, you're going to sacrifice a little conditioning for that. It's not going to kill you. Um, you will find since your body isn't quite, it doesn't have quite so much metabolic tension built up that it, it's going to rebound a little bit more kind. Um, and this is assuming that, um, 
in each of those scenarios that what you do post-show is the same. So we're taking um, an experiment where the variable is how you prepped, but the control is what you do post-show. So if somebody doesn't prep quite so aggressively or quite so harshly, um, they're not going to have as, as bad of a time uh, with a post-show rebound. So my usual strategy is this. Um, I encourage people, um, because not so much because they need to, but because they will feel better and more productive if they do it, is Sunday morning after the show, you wake up and you hit some fasted cardio. 30 minutes, knock it out, get your body back on that routine, and I think it sends some really good signals to your brain. Uh, your brain sends it to your body that, hey, you know what? The show's done and gone, but you know we're still kind of in this mode where we want to um, we want to keep with our routine. Um, we want to be able to maintain some of this conditioning. Yeah, we're going to dial back, but I think a little cardio the day after the show, great idea, great idea. You know, take a day off from lifting for sure. And some people, you know, they they eat so much the night before or the night of the show. They wake up on Sunday and they're like, God, I got to go lift. And plus, you know, at that point, you've probably been out of the gym for a couple days. You're ready to go back. I mean, yeah, you're tired, but at the same time, you're like, I want to put these calories to good use. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so how much damage can you do in a meal, um, like post-show meal? Uh, one thing I, I have said before, and I have to be careful with this, is, you know, I, I challenge you to ruin your body with one meal. Now, I say that, somebody's going to take me up on it and succeed. Uh, but <laughs> the, the point being, you can do a lot in one meal and get away with it. Yeah, you're going to be up on the scale a little bit because you're retaining um, food in your digestive tract. You're retaining fluids because of that as well. You're, you're not putting on, you know, you wake up four pounds heavier the next day. You didn't put on four pounds of body fat. So, know that and expect it. So then when you see that number, it's not, not quite such a shock because you'll wake up and you'll feel like a fat ass and you see that number and then you're like, Oh God, I've just ruined everything. I'm back to where I was seven weeks ago on the scale. Give me a break. No, I mean, that's been, you know, if you look at what I've been posting on my weekly updates to Facebook and I post my tracker in there, you can see how cyclical it is. Like, you know, I, I uh, usually wake up on Sunday with my low weight of the week, I have my cheat meal on Sunday night. I'm up somewhere between four and seven pounds the next day, and then it whittles back down to a, a new low, typically by about Wednesday. So uh, you know, it's it's not fat gain. Fat doesn't move that quickly. So you can do a lot, and then you, the the idea is you kind of ease back into it. And I say, you know, typically like the day afterwards. Oftentimes, people will pig out to the point where they, they wake up on, on Sunday morning, they feel kind of miserable, so they bang out some cardio. If you can be on your diet like 50 to 60%, you know, get a couple of decent clean meals in you, get away with some more stuff, that's fine. By the time, you know, Monday, Tuesday rolls around, you kind of get back on it. Um, if you're implementing a macro-based plan, great. You can still work in some things that you've been craving, but do so within the, the structure of your macronutrients. So if you do that, you'll have a pretty easy rebound and then kind of get yourself out of the danger zone and everything will go a lot smoother. Um, Emily had a good question. Um, this came through Instagram. Um, she was talking about, let me actually pull up her message here because I paraphrased it. Um, but I want to I want to relay it exactly as she had it stated here. So, oh, Emily, where are you? Here we go. Um, so she said, maintenance or workout plans with somebody who doesn't 
bodybuild uh, or have a big hairy goal? <laughs> what do you do to motivate those clients? How does that look when people are generally happy with their physique but don't want to blow up on the sad American diet? Um, that That's fair. That's fair. So I do work with a lot of non-competitors. I'd say realistically my usual client makeup is about 50% contest prep and 50% what I call lifestyle transformation, which... Uh, I don't, I don't know how much I dig that phrase, but that's what I'm calling it. That's what I'm going with here. So, <laughs> um, non-competitors. Um, so, I mean, the, the thing, keeping it motivated, it's all about a goal. I mean, it doesn't matter what the goal is. I, I would classify myself as a non-competitor right now. Like, I'm, I'm kind of eyeing a show next year, but this cut that I'm on right now, I'm treating it as though it's, it's prep because I have a goal. It's a photo shoot. Your goal can be anything. It can be your wedding. It can be a vacation. It can be an arbitrary date you've picked on the calendar, but you've got to believe it. Uh, you know, uh, if you're like, I pick November 5th is my goal date and it's, you know, 16 weeks out in the future. Okay, great. So the thing about a show is it's an actual thing. It's an event. So you need to turn it into something that's kind of an event for you, like plan something for yourself, you know, make it something, um, you know, schedule a photo shoot. It's really easy to do that. And maybe it's not even a fitness related photo shoot, but you know, it, it's, you know, you want some new you know, professional photos taken. Great. Do it. Treat yourself. Um, but give yourself if you feel like you need it, because some people just going through the motions and like, okay, I'm doing the diet, I'm doing the cardio, I'm doing all this stuff. It, w without something to work towards, it's really difficult. Um, and I would say if I didn't have this photo shoot right here, I'd, I probably would have thrown in the towel last week. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, so you've got to have a goal, something that um, I, I hate to use this because it sounds negative, but something that kind of scares you into compliance. Um, and and uh, attaching a date to it, um, I find can be a, a tricky exercise. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, it, it's something that's useful. The, the problem with that is uh, what, what, what people usually want to do. I mean, you need a date, but then you need what the actual goal is. And a lot of people say, well, I want to weigh this much by this date. Like, that doesn't work. No. No, especially if, if it's something that you haven't cut down like that before. You just have no basis for comparison. If you're doing contest prep and you've done three or four shows and you know what weight you've stepped on stage at before and you, you've got a good idea of where you want to be the next time around, great. We can use that as a target. Um, and then, you know, that's one factor. Ultimately, the visuals are what matter the most. But at least then you've got a basis for comparison. If you're cutting down and you're like, I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, but we don't necessarily know what your target weight is because we don't know how your body's going to respond. And even when you're doing contest prep, you do it, you know, the first time, the second time, the third time, your body's going to respond differently every time. But you've at least got a basis for comparison there. So um, I always am, am not a fan of picking um, weight-based goals, but setting a date and saying, you know, I would like to be comfortable with X, Y, or Z by this date, whether that's, you know, uh, getting into a specific swimsuit or stepping in front of a camera or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't, doesn't really matter to me. Um, there was also a, a subset of that question um, that I dealt with in a video that I posted over the weekend, which was about you know differences in how I coach those people, um, contest prep versus lifestyle. And there really isn't a difference. Um, I just need to make sure that everything is set up appropriate for the individual. But my strategies, my tactics, the way that I treat people, the way that I communicate with people, um, the level of detail that I put into things doesn't change. The only thing that changes is if you're not going to compete, we aren't going to talk about competition-related stuff. 
And if you are, then we are. Um, but that's it. Other than that, I mean, the, the process works exactly the same, meaning that um, everything is up in the air as far as strategically how we handle things. But my expectations are pretty much the same. And um, just because, you know, somebody who's trying to lose, let's say, arbitrarily 50 pounds, okay, uh, versus somebody who's trying to do their third show and come in sharper than they did in shows one and two, um, that there's not necessarily an expectation that just because you're prepping for a show that you're going to be perfect throughout your whole prep. That would be nice, but in practice, that's not how it works. There will be slip-ups. So it's not like the, the fact that you're doing show prep suddenly makes you immune to making mistakes and having a bad prep. Certainly not. So I don't get too deep into the weeds on that. But uh, the, strategically, how I look at things, it's the same, regardless of what your goal is. Um, okay, and then um, a gentleman by the name of Dakota sent me a message here on Instagram as well. And he wins the award for like longest message I've ever had before. So it was broken down into a few things. And I think my, my response to him here was, um, there's a lot here and I cannot do it justice in a written response, but it'd make for a good addition to Monday's Q and a segment. So, um, because I think a lot of these questions are, are, um, not general, but universal and can, can help a lot of people out. So um, let's see here. Let me pick out some relevant things here. He says, currently cutting, can usually hit macros just fine most days, losing fat while performance in the gym is either improving or staying the same. Awesome. So everything is good for now. One thing I struggle with while cutting is staying full. It seems I am constantly hungry whenever I cut, like ravenously hungry, stomach growling and trying to eat itself. Um, so he's tried adding leafy greens, doesn't really fill them up. Plus there's some stomach upset that goes with that. Um, drinking lots of water doesn't make you feel full, just pee a lot. <laughs> so tips on feeling full and satisfied. So he says he has no problems resisting cravings, but feeling hungry all the time is just miserable. Or is it something that you have to suffer with? So, um, to some extent, yeah, you do have to suffer with it a little bit, but there are things that you can do to mitigate that. So, um, so leafy greens. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um, look, look at what happens if you, take uh, a handful of spinach and then you steam it or something like that. Um, so, so what happens is, you know, the volume shrinks dramatically. Um, so staying full is all, all about the, playing the volume game. So um, leafy greens would not be something that I would suggest to stay full. I mean, for micronutrients, sure. But, you know, if you want to get full off of leafy greens, you're going to have to have a shit ton of those. So I would instead pick veggies that, um, you know, are, are relatively free, will bulk up a meal, and don't, um, don't have significant volume changes. So that's why I add, um, you know, the one thing that I add to at this point, all five of my meals throughout the day is a, uh, a handful, you know, close to a cup of, uh, chopped onions and peppers and celery, um, with every meal. So it works out and I did the math on it. And it works out to about 12 calories or so per serving, something like that. Probably a little bit less than a cup. I just kind of eyeball it. Um, so I, I factor that into my macros. It doesn't have any significant impact. It's like three grams, you know, two grams of carbs or something like that, but I'm uh, super OCD. So I track it anyway and I'll log it just to have a thorough accounting of everything. Um, so I do that. It bulks up the meals a little bit, adds a little bit of additional volume in there. Other things that you can do or play around with, um, solid uh, food protein sources versus shakes. So if you're ravenously hungry all the time, fewer shakes all the way, my man, uh, you know, more solid food. Um, since I have, uh, you know, at like three weeks out, um, we removed pretty much all artificial sweeteners, including protein shakes. So I had to replace that with a solid food meal and I'm definitely a little bit more full now, which is great. You know, my, my appetite has been in control for the most part. The only time that really changed is when we cut out 
all those artificial sweeteners just because I was using a shit ton of them. I mean, a lot. You cut those out and then suddenly your gut just frees up and it's like, oh, okay, awesome. So first of all, I can't wait to bring those back in. <laughs> <laughs> just because life is better with them. Um, but uh, also the, the, the switch then to a solid um, a solid food protein source and carb source for um, that post-workout meal was a really good addition as far as um, trying to stave off some of that hunger. And the, the water helps tremendously as well. It really does. Um, it's a short-term thing, but uh, you know if you're if you're targeting like you know two gallons of water a day, something like that, it, boy, um, I, I have a tough time keeping my stomach not feeling full with that. Um, another thing uh, is is carb sources. So um, there, you can you can go with low volume carb sources or high volume carb sources. So let's look at some extreme examples here. Low volume carb sources would be like you know rice. Um, you can have twenty five grams of carbs from rice, and it's not really going to have much of an impact at all. Um, Potatoes can go either way. And so one of my absolute favorite things, and this will be making a comeback as soon as I am off this cut, is um, chopping up um, potatoes into really small little chunks and throwing them in the air fryer. So um, it totally dehydrates them, which means <laughs> you end up with a ridiculous amount of carbs that fits in a fairly small bowl. So that's a really, really low volume carb source. So if you're trying to get in an ass load of carbs and you're like, oh, I can't eat anymore, that's a great strategy to go for. So the opposite is true as well. If you're starving all the time, avoid doing something like that. Um, and if, you, if you're looking for a good carb source, like a good high-volume carb source, um, rice cakes, my man. Uh, those, you know, Especially post-workout, if I'm trying to get in 50, 60 grams of carbs from rice cakes, I'm having like somewhere between six, seven, eight of those things. So those, those will sit in your stomach and fill you up for a little while. Um, that is a great strategy. Um, if you... Um, aren't, uh, if you don't have a gluten allergy or sensitivity, but it kind of impacts you a little bit, like very minor, um, something like that. Uh, one of the, one of the things, cause I, I put myself in that category as well. And so when I have something that's gluten based, what I notice is it kind of sits in my stomach a little bit longer. And, and, you know, one of the byproducts of that, I don't really feel bad from it, but it does keep me full a little bit longer. Um, same thing also with, um, diet drinks, um, you know, the artificial sweeteners in those, they kind of blow people up a little bit. Um, not, not universally, but oftentimes they do. And, uh, that can also promote a feeling of fullness. It's kind of an illusion of it, but that's something that I've used strategically here and there as well. So, um, you got a lot of options, you got a lot of options, but, um, again, part of it is just suffering, but also just making sure that your diet is, um, appropriate. So, um, you know, the macros he, he outlines here, he's got, um, what protein at 325, which is pretty high. Um, carbs at 175, fats at 90. So, yeah, I mean, th those macros are um, for a 24 year old guy, six foot tall. Um, those macros aren't exactly poverty macros. So, you just got a really active metabolism. If you're cutting on that, great. So, you certainly don't need to get any more aggressive than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, you know, the protein is maybe. Uh, Maybe higher than it needs to be, but then again, if if hunger is your issue, protein is like the most satiating macronutrient there is. So I didn't I wouldn't necessarily cut it down until we get everything else kind of in control, so to speak. Next question from Dakota um, references Eric Helms, who I confess I have no idea who that guy is. Um, so uh, we have differing philosophies on rest periods. Helms says, and he's providing a quote here, so I'm going to assume this comes directly from him. You should rest long enough to be able to finish the prescribed sets and reps. 
yeah, okay. Um, and then a practical recommendation of about three minutes. I find that to be wildly excessive. Three minute rest periods. I mean, it depends on, you know, what, uh, <laughs> depends on what the goal is. Um, for hypertrophy, that is a long time to rest between sets. Sometimes it can be appropriate, especially when you're doing, you know, something in the lower rep range, like six, eight, something like that. Um, and it's a heavy compound movement. Sure. Um, but as far as like standard fare, three minute rest periods now, I mean, unless you're going with a really low volume approach. So volume factors into this as well. Um, and I, I am typically not a favor of low volume approach because it is a, of a low volume approach because it is a difficult thing to teach people to accept um, and to do it effectively. So um, and you references uh, studies, um, client results. So I've talked about studies before and their their applicability. That was just a couple episodes ago, actually. So um, my, my my primary philosophy with rest periods. So when I when I say you know I want a forty five second rest period here or a one minute rest period here or something like that, the idea is I mean the, the difference between forty five seconds and one minute is not much. So for all intents and purposes, those are interchangeable. If we go like a minute and a half, okay, great, and then maybe upwards of two minutes on some things. Um, I think as far as what is typical, that that is good. That's a, a good general range to be in. Um, the main thing that I want people doing though, is thinking about how long their damn rest periods are. Because if you tell somebody three minutes, nobody's setting a stopwatch. And then your three minute rest period turns into a five minute rest period and you're wasting your damn time. Um, so my whole philosophy is keep your ass moving, keep it moving. And I think it's, it's far more productive. If you hit your next set and you're like, well, I think I'm about ready for it. Great. That's the time to go. Don't wait until you know you got it. Um, just because we want to, we want to keep the body metabolically active. We want to keep blood in the muscle. Um, but it also depends. Are you doing anything during those rest periods? Are you trying to keep the muscle active during your rest period? I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you know, there comes a time where if I've got like a three minute break between sets, I've got to, you know, work in a little bit of isometric stuff just to, you know, um, a little bit of very, very light dynamic stretching just to keep things active. I find it too long and you know, that's going to vary a little bit based on body types, but, um, that I have no studies to back me up. Um, but I, I do have a lot of client results to back it up as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in a big, long protracted debate on that, but, uh, it, typically I think for, for hypertrophy, three minutes is way too long. Um, and then uh, a final question here, um, typical daily routine, wake up at four 45 at the gym by five, usually lift until about seven. Um, lifting takes two hours because of two to three minute rest periods. So there is a strike against long rest periods like that because of practicality. Um, uh, 20 to 30 minutes of cardio, uh, blah, 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 blah. Go to work home around five to seven, eat dinner, fall asleep by nine. Repeat. Um, is there any detriment benefit to working out in the evening morning versus the evening? Um, and pros cons to hitting cardio in the same session, but after lifting? Um, no, I mean, my, my philosophy on that is get it in whenever you can, when it's most convenient, when it appeals to you the most and you feel the most energized. That's really the end of the discussion. Um, if there are, differences beyond that, like, oh, I, you know, again, citing a study or something, find that, you know, people are, you know, some level more effective either in the morning or later in the day. Um, it, it, it's not going to be significant and it's far more individualized than any study could possibly represent. So some people, and this is all brain stuff right here. Some people do much better if they go in early, they knock it out and then they're done with it for the day. 
um, those same people, if you said you're going to work out at night, they might, you know, feel exhausted after a day of work and have nothing left in the tank for a productive workout. And then the opposite is true. A typical evening lifter, you tell them to work out in the morning, they're going to be in a zombie mode. It's out of their routine. Their performance sucks ass. Um, so no. And then po post-workout cardio is fine. Um, nothing wrong with that. The idea is, you know, cardio is best done when it's on an empty stomach. And uh, if you're lifting for two hours, then by the time you get around to that post-workout cardio, your stomach is, for all intents and purposes, empty. Not as empty as it would be if you were doing fasted cardio, but close enough. You know, it's another one of those things. It's like horseshoes and hand grenades. If we're talking fasted cardio, whether it's eight hours fasted or two hours fasted, it's not a huge difference there. So um, hopefully that helps a little bit. So that wraps up the Q&A portion. So we will take a really short intermission here, and then we will be back and we will talk about some excuses. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. All right, so anybody who saw my uh, weekly update on Friday um, kind of explained why we didn't have a podcast there. I, uh, I do kind of struggle with, with this and just how best to discuss this because I don't want it to seem exploitative or disrespectful or anything like that. So... Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So anyway, so last week on uh, Wednesday, it was on Halloween, uh, my mother-in-law passed away suddenly and unexpectedly, um, completely out of the blue, shocked all of us completely. Um, she was actually stung by a bee and had such a fast and uh, aggressive reaction to it that she could not get to her EpiPen in time. Um ambulance was called they came um and they weren't able to do anything for her so um to say that that was kind of a uh, a shock <laughs> uh was an understatement so that was on wednesday and uh you know there's just you know no no ability to really process it or anything like that and i think you know we just had the memorial service last night and uh, I think that process will probably start you know, now-ish because we had all these things. There, there was no time to think. Like everybody's having their their initial reactions. Um, everybody's coming over. Family is um, coming in from all over the region. Um, uh, and you, you don't really have time to just you know sit by yourself and, and think and process anything like that. And my wife and I have been apart now for. Um, many days because um, she's been down they, they live uh, about an hour away so she's been staying down there with her dad who is being taken care of by her mom um, up until this and so she's staying down there and kind of filling that role for right now um, and so it, it's it's challenging I'm staying up here um, just because we have we have uh, two dogs one of which cannot be boarded or cared for by anybody else and she does not travel particularly well so um she requires pretty much constant attention so i am best served by staying here and kind of holding down the fort so i made several trips down there though since wednesday i think i went on wednesday um i think i stayed here on thursday went back on friday um and then again on sunday and uh so to take it out of the the horrific aspect of the entire situation and turn it into something a little bit more practical. Um, you know, at that point, you know, I had, uh, I had 15 days until my shoot. So, <laughs> you know, you, 
automatically feel like the biggest effing jackass in the world when your brain turns to that. But eventually it does. Uh, because something like that, everything else in your life, um, it may feel like it's, I mean, it certainly, it takes a back seat, um, but nothing gets paused. So things are still happening. Um, and so, uh, it, it became, uh, it became a question of, okay, well, what do I do? Um, you know, what, what are my responsibilities here? How do I handle this? How can I best support my wife through this whole situation, which is just awful. Um, and so I went down and, uh, that that first night, Wednesday night, was just a really tough, raw night with just the immediate family there, and we were, you know, not even at the point where we're comfortable sharing stories or anything like that. It's just, you know, just sharing this feeling of misery, which is awful. Um, and <laughs> the one thing, this is a strange Southern tradition, but when somebody passes away, everybody shows up with food. Um, and I didn't grow up in the South, so I don't have a strong affinity to a lot of this stuff, but nonetheless, you look at piles of biscuits, the size of car tires, and suddenly you're like, Hmm, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, and you, you start to slip it in. The, the reason why this com- becomes a conversation about excuses is because, um, I've been so like totally focused on this goal and then suddenly this tragedy happened and my brain went into this mode where it's like, you know what, dude, you can do anything right now and nobody's going to call you out on it. So automatically it's like, all right, cool. Uh, Here we go. We're going for a, a dive into the deep end right here. And so um, on Wednesday, I hit my macros and then probably had about another 3,000 to 3,500 calories on top of that. Um, and basically just <laughs> ate until I hated myself. Um, drove home that night. And as I was driving home, it was around like 930 at night. Um, I had to like actually lean the seat back in my truck a little bit just to give my stomach a little bit of room to breathe. I mean, it was that bad. It was, it was gnarly. And then uh, the next day ended up being fairly similar to that. Um, and, uh, then on, on Friday, um, and again, I hit my macros and about 3000 calories on top of that. And it's just like total, total junk. Um, all of this stuff where I've rationalized it in my brain, like, Hey, this is okay. You know, I I can not necessarily get away with this, but this behavior is excused. You know what? There's a, a good valid reason for it. And, you know, also on, on, on Wednesday night when I was there, there were some things that were out, um, that she had made. (laughs) <laughs> just because it was, it was so sudden. So people were, you know, they're, they were pulling things out of the fridge and I'm like, this is the last chance I'll ever have to eat something that she made. So that is the one thing that I really don't feel any guilt about at all. The rest of it, well, no, no guilt, but some regrets just because it was completely and totally unnecessary and counterproductive. But, um, it's really easy for me as a coach to hear people talking about um, stress eating and emotional eating, and it's very easy to say, you know what? I mean, you know, none of that helps. You just got to be tough. Remember what you're doing. But you know, when you're in a situation where the the stress and the emotions are strong enough, none of that shit matters. Like it, it is 
overpowering and your brain just does not operate the way it normally does. You don't make the same kind of decisions you normally do. You're, I, I would argue and say that you, you're probably incapable of making decisions in the same way. Um, and you can be totally, uh, totally aware of everything that you're doing um, and still not really either be able to stop yourself or want to stop yourself or, you know, it's, it's, it's a very strange thing. And for me also, I mean, since I've been very fortunate in that since I've been an adult, I've never really had anybody who is close to me who died. And I don't really think there's anything, um, else in, in life that will stress you and test your emotional resolve quite like losing somebody close. Uh, and so the last person I lost who was close to me was, um, uh, a grandparent. Um, and you know, I was, I was younger. Um, and none of them were, uh, were, you know, a, a surprise or unexpected. Like we knew they were in failing health. We had a chance to say goodbye and all that stuff. So, um, it, it, it's, it's different in, in, in this situation here. And so I, uh, after those two, um, two days where I just completely, you know, had the binge to end all binges. Um, I, I woke up on Friday and because of some of the food selections, uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to have, you know, I haven't had ice cream in forever, so I'm going to have some ice cream, but damn it, I'm going to have halo top because I don't want to do that much damage. Well, yeah, the issue is when you haven't had any dairy in close to four months and then you throw two pints of halo top in your gut. Oh man, it is going to be pissed off at you. And I woke up on Friday physically unable to do fasted cardio. Like it hurts so bad. <laughs> like, uh, just, that, that was the one, that was kind of the wake up call where I, I kind of realized I, I can't do this. Like I, 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 I gotta stop this. Um, because I'm, I, I'm not helping anything. Um, and in fact, I am really, really, really hurting myself at this stage, like physically doing damage. Um, and so I, I did not do fasted cardio, um, had a little chat with coach, worked through a lift. Um, she gave me a break from post-workout cardio. The lift was pathetic. It was chest. Um, the first exercise in there called for decline bench. I couldn't even do it. I'm like, I can't be upside down like that. I can't be inverted. I'm going to throw up. Um, so it was that kind of a lift where I'm like, I'm going to go and get a little bit of blood flow going, but that's about it. Um, and so then Friday night, I went back down and I was determined. I'm like, I'm not going to not going to have anything. Not, I mean, there's food everywhere. I'm, like, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Failed, but didn't go off the deep end. I would say I probably had about 500 calories worth of stuff. So, but still I'm like, damn it. Damn it. I did not mean to do that. That was not what I was trying to do. Uh, stupid, 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 idiot, idiot, idiot. So again, you kind of beat yourself up again. Um, but then after that, things kind of, came back together. So, um, Saturday was a much better day. Um, Sunday yesterday was the day where, uh, cause Saturday was also check-in day. So that's where I got to lay it all out for coach. I'm like, here's what happened. Here's what I've done. And she's like, Hmm. Okay. Well, here's what you got to do. <laughs> and so, uh, macros came down, um, no high carb days, uh, cardio bump, significant cardio bump. And she's like, you're close. You just got to tighten it up. Don't beat yourself up, up over it. It's not worth reflecting on. Um, and the way the way that I interpret this also is, you know, with this bump in cardio, you know, it's, it's on the plan, so I'm going to do it. Um, and if I'm going to do it, I don't want to undo it 
later on just by eating too much crap. So that was kind of the moment where I said, fuck it to my excuses. And like I got, you know, as, as of today, 10 days to tighten this up. So yesterday at 11 days out, um, it was, you know, the, the plan was, cause I was again here by myself. Um, we did arrange for a couple of friends to come and look in on the dog so that they could be alone for a little bit longer, like just come and feed them, take them outside, that kind of thing. Um, so I was comfortable leaving here around midday, going down there. We had a receiving of friends memorial service that started at five and went till about eight 30. Um, and again, you go into that house, there's just people everywhere. A lot of people, small house, food everywhere. Everybody who shows up is bringing additional food. Um, and I, I looked at it and I looked at my ISO pack that had my, uh, all my meals in it and I stuck with that. And so that was such a huge, huge victory yesterday to be able to finally rein things back in, you know, temptation is all around, uh, but you know, self-control, uh, and it felt good. It felt good to put an end to the excuses and kind of recognize, you know, what, what the, the immediate target is right here and, um, not make myself feel miserable because that, that, what it came down to was that, that was the one thing I'm like, I just want to feel normal again. <laughs> like I want my, I want my stomach and my body to feel normal again. Um, so, and what I needed to do clearly was to kind of take myself into that stage. I don't think necessarily repeatedly, uh, but, um, as a reminder, like, okay, yeah, you feel so much better when you don't do this dumbass. Um, uh, and also if I'm looking for a silver lining in this, um, dietary episode, um, it, it is that it, it's really taught me about what I should and shouldn't be doing after my photo shoot. Cause I don't want to feel like that again in, you know, 10, 11 days when it's all done. So, uh, moderation, you know, not going off the deep end, trying to control yourself a little bit, you know, absolutely enjoy some things for sure. But, (laughs) oh man, at this point also, just because of the way this prep has gone, my body's a little bit more sensitive, um, to these things than, than it it has been before. So like there, there, there were days not too long past where I could have had whatever I had on Wednesday and Thursday and woke up, you know, being a little bit heavier, but feeling relatively normal. Um, I've never had a food hangover like that before, like what I experienced on Friday. That was, that was eye opening. So it, it kind of, it, it reinforces like, okay, my body's a little bit more sensitive right now. It's also a little bit older. So what I always tell people is you can fuck up, you can make a mistake as long as you learn something from it, then it's not a wasted opportunity. If all you want to do is beat yourself up over it and take nothing positive from it at all, because all it was, I failed. I failed. I had something that I wanted to do. I set out to do it and I failed. And if that's all you're going to take from it, you're never going to grow as an individual. So, um, and, and again, just to reiterate, I do kind of feel like a jackass talking about any of this right now in light of the, the bigger picture, the, the over, the overlying situation, um, beyond all of this. But you know, the thing is the the thing about prep, the thing about life is it's, uh, it's messy and there are a lot of layers to it and there's a lot of things that all happen together. And so if I can just, you know, relay a little bit to somebody about what I've gone through recently, um, and, and how I 
handled it and didn't handle it, but how I'm processing it and how, what I'm trying to take away from it and learn from it, then I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's a discussion worth having. So that's really why I wanted to do this here. So, um, and that's about it. So uh, again, the, the, the trigger point for me, and, and I remember this moment in my brain where it happened and just a completely selfish moment where there, there was that, that, moment where that light bulb went off in my head and it's like hey with all that's happened here you can eat whatever you want and nobody's going to give you any shit for it and that was the the excuse and that was the beginning of this this short-lived little downward spiral here so um just be mindful of the possibility for things like that because you know you could have there could be a lot of things that could trigger an episode like this for you you know it doesn't have to be something quite so dramatic as this it could be you know um it could be work related it could be you know oh god i got a tax bill from the irs i wasn't expecting or a medical bill that i forgot about or something like that i mean it could be any number of things that that can send you into a mental place like that where you feel like the appropriate way to respond is by doing something that you're quote unquote not supposed to do or not allowed to do. You're rebelling against your, your own internal system. So, um, just be mindful of that. So again, reflect, think back, think about how you would have handled it differently. And honestly, how would I have handled it differently? I'm not totally sure. I am not totally sure. Um, that's the one thing I don't have an answer for, but I have learned a little bit and a lot of it is just the, the intake and the response and how that feels and how important it is, um, to not feel that way <laughs> because I mean, it impacted my mood, which was already going south for, for all the other reasons. Um, it impacted how I moved, it impacted how I slept, um, you know, all, all of those things. So Anyway, rather than, than continue to wax on and, and repeat myself and say a lot of the same things, I'll just wrap it up there. So um, I don't have any, any closing, closing thoughts or anything like that. We're just going to leave it there. Um, so as always, um, I appreciate everybody who sat through and listened to this. Hopefully you get something useful out of it. So um, we'll be back this Friday with another episode. Um, in the meantime, um, keep an eye on social media. So Instagram at Darren underscore star, Facebook.com slash five star physique, Twitter at Darren star. Um, I am stepping up my game officially. So I'm on notice. Um, I have got a lot, a lot of new content coming out. And also YouTube, um, Five Star Physique on YouTube. Um, so there's going to be videos coming up. I've been posting some of these as well. Um, videos. I'm going to be doing a uh, weekly um once or twice weekly, um, video from the kitchen on meal prep, macro ideas, recipes. Once I get a little bit of dietary freedom and can experiment a little bit more with recipes and I'll be sharing those with you guys. Um, I started also a, a form breakdown series, um, that will be on YouTube and I will share that, uh, through Facebook and Twitter. And then also um, a lot of new written content as well. So blog posts, I've got a new one. Um, there was a new one that came out on Saturday, I think it was, on um, logging your workouts to force progressive overload, um, which was actually a, a refresh of something that I wrote a couple years ago. But I basically rewrote the whole thing from scratch, so I republished it as a new article. Um, and then there will be another one coming out tomorrow as well. So Tuesdays and Saturdays will be the days for new blog posts. So stay tuned for that. So keep your eyes on all those things. Um, 
comment, share, like, um, where, wherever, you know, when you're, if you're on Twitter, retweet it, mention me, send me a direct message, whatever. I'm getting more involved on Twitter as well. So I'm going to make the most of that. So, uh, anyway, once again, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Hope everybody has a great week and I'll check back in with you on Friday.